This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson. Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. Welcome. This is The Rundown, the inaugural episode presented by The Runner Washington. I am Keenan Gray of The Runner Washington, the creator, the founder, the father, the CEO, whatever the heck you want to call it. I'm the guy behind the madness of what we have put together here. I am joined by my two cohorts, Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre, who luckily will be part of this podcast for the rest of the season. And who knows if we're going to have a cross-country season. But we're going to digress and talk about all this good stuff here that's been going on in the last couple of weeks, starting off with the WIA's decision to move cross-country to September 7th, the very first day of practice. Cross-country was scheduled to start on August 18th, but recently, because of the COVID pandemic that we've been in for the last months, it feels like almost a year or so we've been in this, the WIA has announced we will move forward to September 7th as a start date. So Alex, as a teacher and a coach, and for those that don't know, Alex is a head coach at Yelm High School. What is your perspective on all of this? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting right now. I'm, I'm not sure why WIA has made this decision. I don't know if we've got a why yet. If they have, I've missed it. Um, but, you know, we, we went from a 10-week season to an 8-week season. So we're going to have to um, deal with that and adapt and, and do what we can. Um, you know, obviously it's for our safety and the safety of others. But it's it's frustrating. We work hard. Kids work hard. Coaches work hard. Everyone's working hard for this season. We wait all year for it. And, and we've lost a good chunk of it. So frustrating, but we, re- we, you know, we know that it's what we have to do and, and we adapt. But it definitely gives us a little sense of hope knowing that there is the potential to have a season or somewhat of a season. Kyle, when you first heard about this, what was your take on this? Yeah, I think their main reason to push things forward was to make sure that we're all in a good spot across the state to start, making sure everyone's healthy. And, And I remember when this all first started, I was thinking that there's no way they're wouldn't be a cross-country season because we started shutting everything down around February, March. So obviously we're going to be fine by September, August, but here we are in July. So I think they're just trying to buy some more time so that we can get everybody healthy and everyone hopefully in phase three by then. We'll see. And that decision was announced on July 7th. Next time they will meet is July 22nd. Who knows what they were going to decide then, probably keep everything the same. But again, it's still a mystery to us which leads us into our next segment for today, talking about what we can expect in 2020. Is there going to be a season and what that's going to look like? So Alex, if you're the WIA and trying to put something together, what do you, what's the first thing you think of that's going to be the most important thing for cross country? 
Uh, if I'm the WIA and I know that safety is the focus, I'm I'm putting an emphasis on dual meets, um, and I think that can be really exciting if we if we look at it that way. We just have to kind of change our perspective a little bit. We're probably going to lose these big invites. Um, I think they're possible. I think that it can be done, but it's going to be a lot of work on everyone's part. So let's let's just say for now we're scratching the invites. Um, and we really focus on these dual meets and we focus on rivalries and, um, we, we really build up our athletes in that sense. Um, I don't know what that looks like as far as how teams progress to state or if we'll have a postseason. but, uh, dual meets are going to be a lot of fun this year. And I think there's going to be some, some good interleague meets that we can, we can focus on and be excited about. And you definitely have two different sides of the story when it comes to dual meets. Traditionally, the East side it loves their duels. When it comes to trophies, that's the big thing. Winning conference championships, West side, traditionally, duels aren't the biggest thing in the world. Invites are more important as kids. Um, they take the dual meets kind of as workouts. Um, potentially, maybe the JV guys that are racing it, um, but the varsity guys typically are preparing for invites. So, uh, Kyle, when you think of duels, I mean, you ran for Kamiakin, you know how important it is to do well in the mid Columbia conference. So how important do you think these duels will be this season without invites? I think they're going to be huge because without those major invites on some of the faster courses, like hole in the wall, if they're not able to have those teams are going to be focusing on running fast at their dual meets, if they've only got a handful throughout the season. So not only do they become huge for just the pride of the conference, but just so that your seniors have an opportunity to run fast and have a good season. For sure. And the, the big question here now is if we have dual meets and there's no invites, can teams leave their conference? Can teams leave their districts because of the risk of COVID-19? And depending on what uh, phases counties are in, I mean, I'm thinking Pierce County to uh, King County, they're in one and a half or two right now. It's whereas some counties out in Eastern Washington are in phase three. So that leaves the question now, can teams be able to leave? And I don't think it'd be necessary for teams to really leave because there's plenty of teams in each district and conference. And I'm going to open this up to you guys. I mean, Alex down in Thurston County, that's a pretty big county. And there's a lot of schools down there to compete against. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of quality competition here. Um, but, you know, within our league, we do have uh, schools in two different counties. So we go from Yelm, which is kind of south, uh, southeast Thurston County, but Central Kitsap, they're up in Pierce County on the Kitsap Peninsula. So, or I think it's Pierce County. It's, it's a different county. But anyways, that's, I, I don't think we're the only ones in that boat. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how schools adapt to that. Maybe we don't see Central Kitsap if they're not able to um, get into these races because their county said so. So we're, we're going to keep it local. Um, you know, we're in a unique position being young that we have the whole Olympia area that we can compete with, but not everybody is as lucky. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out and if it's equitable for all teams. And it totally works out for the Tri-Cities area with Kyle being at Kamiakin. I mean, all those schools right there, Richland, Kennewick, Kamiakin, Walla Walla, even Hermiston down in Oregon. It totally works out for you guys to not really travel so far. Yeah, it works out really well having all those schools next to each other. Hopefully, we'll be able to travel throughout the season. But if not, we've got great competition out here. So, hopefully, other schools have that opportunity as well. And with how teams do and 
if there is a conference championship meet or a district meet, how do you think the WI is going to determine who gets to go to the state meet? I mean, do they now establish the NCAA point system where it's the top two teams from whatever region district automatically get to go, but then it's how they do against other teams. I mean, there's so many factors that go into play here. So I'm just curious as what they could do. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind if they adopted the point system for this year and see how it works. But again, that would means that teams would have to leave their district or um, who knows what that means. Like we have to have one team represent a conference, go to the state meet. And we have, let's say for the B schools, there's only eight teams that run at the state meet this year. So there's a lot of factors that go into play here. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're onto something there that I don't see if we're going to have a state meet, regional meets may be out of the question just to stop preventing any sort of spread. I mean, you could just have your conference championship and maybe have three teams from one Wesco team go and maybe one team from the Tri-Cities just based off of population and have two weeks off. And that way you make sure you're not bringing anything over to wherever the state meet is going to be held. Yeah, you know, it's 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 hard. It's also a good ways away. We're looking at the end of October for this one, so so many things can change. But um, you know, I I see us still having and and, and most most leagues still having a league meet. Uh it might mean that there's not a JV meet there. It might mean that the season ends after the dual meets for J V kids, which is which is terrible and you and you don't like that. You want everybody to have their, their long season. Um but yeah, I, I think just to keep things equitable, again, that's the word. Um, we're going to have to have as many racing experiences as we can because if we got kids getting sick or not able to travel because parents can't drop them off because we don't have buses, it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of things that, that play into this. Of course, the safety of kids is the most important thing, keeping everyone healthy um, and making sure that we can have a season and that every kid here is not at risk of, catching this horrible virus. But any last thoughts before we move on to our 4A preview and talking about uh, the top boys and girls and the teams to look forward to this 2020 season? Yeah, you know, I just, you know, anyone who's listening to this, I'd say try to change the perspective a little bit. This isn't going to be the season that you're used to. Maybe not the season that you were hoping for, but it's if we have one, it's still going to be a season and you're still going to race and just make the most out of it. Um, I think that's that's what the season's all about. Get out, have some good races, have some fun. And um, if, you, if you're in the wrong mindset, you're only going to be unhappy. So make the most of it. For sure. And for those seniors out there, and I'm, I'm thinking of the class of 2020 that didn't get their last opportunity to compete in track and field and just either get one last state championship, one last PR before going off to bigger and better things. It's you got to take advantage of the opportunities that are given in front of you. And training right now is the best thing for all those kids right now to get out, get those mileage in and do the best they could in, in a hopeful cross country season. But moving on from what can we expect in 2020, we are going to start with our 4A preview is the first of our five previews to look at. And we're starting off with the 4A boys. And I got to tell you, fellas, this is an exciting group of young runners. And and uh, when I say young, they're pretty darn young. I mean, the majority of the top guys are juniors, sophomores, a couple seniors in there. But I'm just going to read off my top seven list. And give you my guys and then we'll hear from you guys and see what you think. Uh, of course, I'm going to go with 
especially with Kamai can move it up. You got to go with Isaac Teeples, the defending state champion from three A ranks. Um, you got to go with the two chemist guys, Sam and Ge- Sam Geiger and Evan Jenkins. Both led their team to the school's first ever state championship in program history. Uh, Olympia's Ethan Coleman. I know you're very familiar with him, Alex, as he's down in the Thurston County area. Uh, Jackson's Brendan Charbonneau, who's uh, finally coming around now, understanding that tradition of really, really good runners from Jackson High School. Uh, Mount Size Paul Talens. You'll get to know him a little bit this year. I'm not as familiar with him, but I'm. If there is a season, I'm looking forward to what he can do on the cross country course. And then probably the most underrated guy and doesn't get enough credit, especially with his state performance last year is Braden Packard, an outstanding mid mid distance runner. I believe his sophomore season was a 155, 800 meter runner. Um, again, like I said, did not have the greatest state meet, uh, but is definitely a talented runner. And I think is still trying to figure out how to run a 5,000 meter race the correct way. And again, it comes with the maturity piece. So, when you hear those seven names, fellas, what do you first think of? And I'll start with you, Alex. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to agree with you on on every single one of those athletes. They're all phenomenal. 4A is, is stacked with individuals this year. They have some great, great runners that are all capable of going low 15s at the state course, I think. Um, so I, yeah, I agree with you on all those names. One that I put in there that you didn't have, uh, I'm going to put some faith in Gr- Grayson Wilcott, Kamayakin. I think he's a quality runner. He's a young runner. I think he's going to mature into one of the greats of 4A. He's got great teammates to run with, a great coach. Grayson's going to be in that mix for sure. Um, but yeah, the the ones to watch for sure, we've got Teeples. I just I love watching Teeples run. He's, he's a quality, solid runner um, who really just knows how to get into a race and win it um, at whatever cost, I think. So um, Ethan Coleman, again, another big one to watch. I've watched him run a little bit in this area around Olympia, and he's just one of those tall, lean kids who looks like looks like a runner. So I'm excited to see what he does. Um, and Braden Packard for sure from West Valley. He's, he's definitely capable of low 15s. Um, just, a, a it's got some wheels, you know, fire on the track as they say. So I'm excited for foray with those canvas boys too. It's going to be really exciting. Be- between the top three guys right there with Jenkins, Geiger and Teeples, who are you taking early on in a race at the state championship to take it all this year? Uh, I, I, I gotta go with the teeples for sure. I think Isaac is the, is the man to beat as of right now. I think other guys are going to rise. I think we'll have guys that aren't even on this list that are going to rise. Um, but teeples kind of reminds me of a, of a Matthew Davis from Mead high school back in the nineties. Um, somebody who just right from the get go is a super talented runner. I think he's, he's hungry to win. Um, Isaac is the, is the man to watch right now. Especially with how much Kamaiakin loses from last year's team, five seniors graduating, moving on with only him and Grayson coming back this season. It's going to be tough for Kamaiakin to produce another good team this year. But Kyle, I, I know you are biased towards them and you work with those guys, so you probably know a lot more than we do. But tell us a little bit about your top seven and what you think, um, who are the individuals that are going to perform this year. Yeah, what people don't see on with this podcast format is after Alex said Grayson Wilcott, I, I gave him a five dollar bill. Like, hey, thanks. <laughs> he's a my, he's definitely my uh, my top seven as well. I've got the two Kamaikan guys, Grayson and Isaac. I've got the two Camus guys, Sam and Evan. Uh, two of the Henry Jackson guys, Brendan and Jordan. 
and then Braden Packard to round it out. You know, I think that the team battle for the top podium spots that are going to come within that first, you know, top seven there, you know, how do they finish? Where do they, how do they finish between amongst each other? Um, it's going to be a real battle. And I think the kids are going to be aware of that mid race and they're really going to push some fast times on that course. You know, the winner of that state meet for this year is probably going to have to be under 15 minutes. So it'll be really fun to, fun to watch. And if a kid can get under 15 minutes, it'll be the first one ever to do so on the new course and the first runner to do so, I believe, since, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tanner Anderson and John Dreschel back when they were in high school. I can't remember exactly what year that might have been, early 2010s, 2013, 2012 or something like that. But it's been a long time since we've had a couple of sub-15 guys on the state course at Sun Willows. But Kyle, you're right. I mean, those there's a lot of really good duos from each team, uh, specifically Camus, Jackson, of course, Kamiakin. Um, but my top four teams are just looking at it across the board. I'm thinking West Valley, uh, Camus, Jackson, and then a very surprising one, but I'm seeing a lot of potential out of this team in particular, just with everybody coming back this season is Newport from Bellevue. No, that's not the Newport up in near Deer Park area, which is where Alex is from. And he's very familiar with that. No, it's Newport of Bellevue high school, the Knights. Um, the only concern I have with them is not very many runners coming back or have broken, have broken the 16 minute barrier. So that's my only concern right there. But with Camus, two of the best runners in the state with Geiger and Jenkins, and then it kind of just falls off a little bit and they're going to need to do some work down there, especially with their fifth runner, James Puffer, who's running 1730. They're, they're going to need him to be under 17, maybe even 1705 to give themselves a chance to repeat. Um, but when you hear those four team names, what are your guys' initial thoughts on those? I, I agree. They're, they're the ones to watch. I've got a, a slightly different interpretation of who could fill that fourth spot. I think, um, I actually, I got Tahoma in that list. I know they lost a lot of, of huge players, um, but they're a quality team with tradition. And um, we still got two front runners that are under 16 that are returning. Um, so if I'm Tahoma and I'm putting all my work into that fourth and fifth man, making sure that they rise, Tahoma is a, a podium team for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the battle is really going to be between Newport and West Valley. Um, Henry Jackson is in that mix for sure. But when I'm just looking at the numbers from last year, um, you know, both teams are stacked with seniors. Uh, West Valley has a really strong one-two punch, but Newport has a, about a 25-second spread at state last year um, just with their returners. That's, that's, that's with um, – excluding the seniors now. So uh, a quality, quality teams for, for both. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do. It's going to be a battle at state. Yeah, for sure. Kyle, what are your uh, thoughts on these four teams? And if you have anything different, I know you got your Kamaikin boys in that top four with you. Oh yeah. You know, I've got them in my top four. You can never doubt what Rex says over at Kamaikin. Uh, they're, you know, those are all some great, great picks. A lot of returners on both Newport and West Valley. So easy for them to come in as the, the favorites, but I've got a little couple different teams. Obviously I've got Kalikin in there. Uh, and the next team I have central Valley, you know, they've got a good front four. I think in their top two are going to be in the mix with the seven. We were just talking about They'll be right there with their pushing for the team. You know, they just get that fifth runner down from, I'm looking at the all time returning list, 256 points. 
then get at least within in the top hundred, they're suddenly a podium team. So, you know, anything could happen at the state course. They've always traditionally ran really well at the state course. They've won state several times the last oh five six years. So they're definitely a team with tradition, like Alex was saying about the Oma. So I've got Kamaikin, I've got Central Valley, and to round up the east side, I've got West Valley representing on the podium. Three teams on the podium from the east side. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then uh, Camus right after that. Those are my top four. It's interesting that I don't have anybody from the GSL league on my list. I mean, traditionally, like you said, CV, uh, Lewis and Clark, both outstanding teams, but because of the losses they had with Lewis and Clark, losing Will Smith, Patrick North, um, another individual, and then um, CV losing Tyler Hunter. Those are some pretty big losses for those two teams right there. Um, something to think about, though, going back to the individual piece before we move on to talk about the girls and then wrap things up. Has an individual from one classification won a state championship and then the following year either moved up or moved down and win a state championship the next season? Because I think I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this a while ago. I don't think anybody has. And if there's someone out there that's a historical guru and has, that, has those numbers, go ahead, call me out on it. But Isaac Teeples is the guy to do – is probably the first guy to be able to do it this year. So what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, it'd be cool. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think that there's been a lot of, um, you know, solid individuals in the last 20, 30 years. So it, it would be interesting to look at. But I agree that Isaac's the guy to do it. If um, if it hasn't been done yet, I think he'll be the first. Um, and, you know, Kyle, you can slip me my $5 bill now. But I, I think a lot of people are thinking it. You can't count Kamaikin out, even if the numbers right now don't say it. They're, they're going to come in off of a great season with that momentum. And I think that just by wearing – by wearing the uniform, the Kamaikin uniform, you know that you're going to go and you're going to race well. So it's it's going to be an exciting year for Kamaikin to see how they rise up in the 4A class for sure. Yeah, yeah for I'm sure. I mean, you a ten dollar bill now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle, go on. How were you saying? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think there's probably some guru out there who knows and could let us know. It's probably already been done just years and years ago, but it'd be exciting to see if it could happen this year. Obviously, I'm really wanting for it to happen and can't wait for it to happen. And we'll see if it actually happens later on in November, possibly late November, because always the state meet is the first week of November. Moving on to the 4A girls. Again, lots of returning runners, and it's another talented class of girls that will be returning this season, starting off with Redmond's Lily Hargraves. Or not Linden, sorry. Um, Redmond, I don't even know why I said Linden because I'm in Whatcom County potentially. Uh, Redmond's Lily Hargraves, uh, part of a trio of Redmond runners that helped win a state championship last fall for the Mustangs. Uh, Richland's Natalie Ruzowskis in her first season of cross country places second overall in the 4A meet. Emerald Ridge's Raj Slichko, of kind of a dark horse. Not very many people know who she is, but when it comes to performing, she brings her best game at the right time. Emily Van Valkenburg, Eastlake High School. I believe she's the younger sister of Cedar Crest legend Grant Van Valkenburg, a 3,200-meter state champ for the 2As back in 2018, I believe, and is now running for the Naval Academy. Skyview, Samantha Williams, another runner we don't necessarily know a whole lot about. But again, when it comes to the right meet at the right time of year, she shows up and performs. And the top two girls that I think of that are going to 
go at it once again in part three, as I mentioned in my previews that you can check out on my website at www.therunnerwad.com. It's Bellarmine's Ella Borsheim and Issaquah's Julia David Smith. Part three between those two with Borsheim taking it her freshman year in the state championship, David Smith last fall. Gentlemen, your thoughts on these seven individuals. Now, first of all, what an incredible duel that is between those two. You know, that's going to be something we'll be able to look back from years from now and just really appreciate how epic some of those their battles have been between Ella and Julia David Smith. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a great top seven. I mean, you look back at all the top returning times and pretty much all the, those girls are right there. Um, Natalie from Richland is just a incredible surprise last year, finishing second at the state meet. And I don't think she's done with those kind of surprises. So who knows what kind of season she can have uh, with a good spring, hopefully good spring training and a great summer training as well. Uh, definitely those are my picks, Julia, Ella, Natalie, um, you know, Emily Van Valkenburg, I think could be a great runner. Uh, she's you know, trying to get it done for her team. And then the two Redmond girls, Lily and Chloe, rounded out for me. Yeah, and, and just being totally transparent here, I, I don't know a lot about the 4A girls. I'm looking forward to, to following them this year because I, I've been kind of focused on the 3A with, with, with uh, Yelm and their competition. But I'm looking at this, and there's a lot of, of young talent. There's a lot of seniors. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see how that works. Um, but yeah, Julia David Smith with that 1726 at state last year, that's just a solid time. Um, really impressed by the one, two punch from Redmond with Lily and Chloe for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers cross referencing PRs with state times and there are some, some really quality girls in the 4A division this year. So looking forward to following that and learning more about them. And I'm going to go back to Julie David Smith's race at Nike Hole in the Wall Invitational. Despite not winning it, that 1707 breaks her old course record that she ran at Hole in the Wall that the previous year, which I believe was 1715. But I mean, that race with her and a freshman from Oregon ran 1657 as a freshman at that race. So uh, the talent is there. Um, obviously, Julie David Smith couldn't pull off the win that day, but she's someone and if possible could be the very first girl ever to break the 17 minute barrier at the state course. But the one I'm really looking forward to watching this year and having a huge bounce back from what some consider probably a sophomore slump, Ella Borsheim of Bellarmine. I was really surprised to see her finish 16th at the state meet last fall. But again, I'm not doubting her because she was able to go down to Arizona down in Suntan Valley high school a couple weeks ago, run at the Desert Dream last hurrah, runs 450 in 95 degree heat at nine o'clock at night, gets sixth overall in a really, really fast heat of girl milers. The next day, goes and runs in the 3200, beats David Smith, who also went down to that meet in the 3200, runs 1026 to David Smith's 1031. I got a lot of confidence with Borsheim coming into this season. So your thoughts on that? That's that's pretty incredible, and, and I actually didn't know that until you mentioned it. Um, so that, that's that's a really cool thing. I'm wondering how much of this loss of a track season and kind of a different summer is going to be maybe refreshing or rejuvenating to some of these athletes, where they can really just come back 
strong. Uh, so it'll be ex- exciting to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially if there aren't any major invites, there are going to be athletes coming into that state meet, you know, with super fresh legs and ready to run a fast time. I'm hoping that, you know, just like the boys meet getting under 15 minutes, those girls can get under 17 minutes and just run a really fast time. And then I think the two girls that have made the biggest leap from their freshman to sophomore year, and I'm going to go with Sky Views, Samantha Williams, and East Lakes Emily Van Valkenburg. I mean, you look at what Samantha did to her freshman year, running 20-25.4. Of course, she did qualify for the state meet, but finished 90th overall. A year later, PRs by almost two minutes at the state meet and finishes fifth overall. With Emily... Emily goes and runs 2028 20, her freshman year. The next season, she runs almost another two minute PR like Williams did and runs 1832. Of course, that was at the hole in the wall invitational, but still runs a very good time at state 1839. Between those two girls right there, who do you expect to progress again and potentially do a lot better this season? Kyle, I'm going to let you take this one because I, I need to do some more learning before I make these predictions. I got to watch these girls race. Uh, I mean, I think they both have the opportunity to do really well. You know, we don't know without the track season, it's hard to know how hard these people have been working, who's been motivated and who's not. So, you know, it's kind of, we're going in, not knowing a lot about these runners. So, you know, if they both are very motivated throughout the, lack of a track season and you know stay motivated throughout the summer i think they both have the potential to just do absolutely incredible but you know i think that's where we're going to see quite a few names that we're leaving out just due to the fact that you know they had an incredible off season and no one was able to see it without any of these races for sure and going on to the team side now and mentioning redmond of course they are the defending state champions with the best trio in the state. And I'm just going to say it right now that, that those three top girls, Leah Hargraves, Chloe Connolly, and then my freshman of the year last year for the runner, Washington, Sophia Dahl, 1831, 1832, and 1837. If I'm a coach and I want to have the best out of my team, I would love to have that as my top three for a girl's team. Um, your guys' thoughts on Redmond. Yeah, they're definitely the, the team to beat. I mean, it's hard to beat that one, two, three punch, especially I mean, if we're doing dual meets only this season, you go one, two, three on any team, there's no coming back from that. So I'm sure if they can get to the state meet with that kind of fire underneath their belly, they're going to be great, great team, hard to beat. Yeah, I agree, Kyle. I mean, with a one, two, three punch like that, I'm, you know, if, if I'm those one, two, three girls, I'm doing everything I can to uplift my fourth and fifth runner, uh, maybe, you know, even six, seven for some depth. Um, because once you bring that in, they, they're probably the best team in the state. I mean, you, like you said, it's hard to beat that one, two, three punch. You bring the, the four and five up, and that is a, a solid team that's going to take home a trophy. But of course, there are going to be plenty of teams chasing after Redmond, the Mustangs, after they won their school's first ever state championship. I mean, the first team that comes to mind that I have my favorite right now is Tahoma with the depth they have. Um, between their seven, I believe their spread is under a minute, specifically at 47 seconds. And leading the charge for them is Teresa Barnhart and Faith Martinez. Faith, the younger sister of Brian Martinez, will be running for the Grand Canyon Lopes next fall. This this team's legit. This will be this could be the potential for the first time since 2011 that the Tahoma Bears bring 
uh, a state championship back to Maple Valley. So what are your thoughts on the Tahoma Bears? Yeah, I think they're just a, a little bit of a step ahead of the other teams at this moment. Um, when you look at the returning times from last year, they, they've got three of the top 25. Um, so they're, they're in a good spot right now. I agree. I, I think that they'll, they'll probably be the ones, as of right now, taking home that first place trophy. Um, my other two are Camus and Eastlake. Obviously, with Camus losing, Hallie Jenkins, uh, she's off to run for Grand Canyon next fall. Um, but they're going to be in the mix with Tahoma. There's always that rivalry between Tahoma and Camus. And even though they're not in the same conference with each other, they're always battling back and forth with each other. It seems like a state meet. And of course, Eastlake with Emily Van Balkenberg, um, a really talented individual. Uh, I think even though her time is 30 seconds faster than the second best runner on the team, that's going to motivate the, her teammates to get better and um, get up in those workouts with her and potentially like try to race with her and means maybe where she doesn't um, race at her full potential. But uh, between Camus and Eastlake, who do you think has got the best shot to give Tahoma and Redmond uh, a run at their money? I think you definitely call it there. Camus and Tahoma have that great rivalry, rivalry going. So I think out of those two teams, Camus and Eastlake, Camus has the, the best shot. Uh, they don't have – three in the top 25, like Alex mentioned, but they've got three knocking on the door right there. Uh, so they definitely got the potential. Yeah. I even have in my notes right here, great duel between Eastlake and Camus. So they're definitely, um, I'm sorry, Camus and Tahoma, but so they're also, uh, or, um, I think Camus is, is very similar to, to Tahoma and their team makeup. They're just a slight step back on paper. So I, I think they're going to be there. It's going to be exciting hoping that we can have a state meet and we can see these potential matchups. Cause like I said, if the WI decides teams can't leave their district or conference, we won't be able to see these teams go up against each other in the early seasons. So uh, final thoughts, fellas on what we've talked about today. Obviously it was the WI's decision to move cross country uh, a few weeks into September. Um, what can we expect in 2020? Cause it's still a mystery to us. And then uh, just to look at the foray, preview and our prediction so far. So Kyle, give me your final thoughts on today's show. And I really hope we can have a season. I know there are a lot of kids out there that are working hard and, you know, keep working hard. Don't, don't stop believing that we can have something this season, fall season to look forward to. So really hope, I know the WIAA said they're going to have another meeting on the, I think the 22nd. So hopefully that brings some more good news on what this season is going to look like and what we can and can't do. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, the, the moral of the story here is this, this virus isn't going to be around forever. Life's going to get back to normal. So don't put things on hold just because it's going to be different or, you know, even the potential of not having a season, even if you're a senior, things are, things are going to get back to normal. Eventually um, these guys, the, these guys and girls that we're talking about are, you know, looking at a collegiate experience, I'm sure. So that the potential for foray this year is, is incredible. We could see some, some really cool races, some really great times. So just keep that momentum rolling. Things will go back to normal eventually. Um, and for now, just, just have some fun and, and see what you can do this year. The opportunities are definitely endless for all these individuals this season. Like I said, I hope we have something to look forward to in the next couple of months. So my um, thanks to Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre for just joining me. And hopefully we will have a really fun time doing this podcast together and 
looking forward to working with you too. So um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, thank you, Ken. This has been great. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Keenan. It's a lot of fun. For myself, Keenan Gray, the Runner Washington, for Kyle Paulson, Alex McIntyre, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to our very first episode of The Rundown. For more information on high school cross country and track and field here in the state of Washington, visit our website at www.therunnerwa.com. We hope you guys enjoyed our first episode, and we hope for you to tune in to our next one. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe and get that mileage in. Hey there, this is Keenan Gray from The Runner Washington. You have been listening to The Rundown Podcast, presented by The Runner Washington. For up-to-date information on all things high school cross-country and track and field here in Washington, visit our website at www.therunnerwa.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at therunner underscore wa and on Facebook at therunnerwa and on Twitter at therunnerwashington. Washington.